I'm Alex Wong, and the Wong Takes start now. What's up, everybody? Thanks for tuning in to the podcast, The Wong Takes, number two. Why don't we get started? Topic number one, Mayweather-McGregor. So the money fight, the super fight uh, between undefeated 49-0 and 0, Floyd Mayweather and the best-known mixed martial artist probably in the world, Conor McGregor. This is going to be a crazy spectacle. I think we're all... Looking forward to it, even if all of us aren't going to pay for it, including me. I'm not shelling out 100 bucks to watch a fight that's probably not going to be that good, according to just about everyone. But we all know this is about the money. I mean, Mayweather's going to pocket tons of money, and McGregor's going to pocket tons of money by his standards. So this should be fun, just because Connor's really got nothing to lose at this point. I mean, besides his bravado, I guess, but... No one's going to say he's bad if he loses, and everyone's going to be super shocked if he wins. This is going to be a signature win for him, and this could be a signature win for Floyd, too, to to pass Rocky Marciano with the, the most wins, or the most undefeated wins ever, and and maybe get a signature knockout, but we'll see. So, yeah, Mayweather's going to win, because when you're a UFC fighter, you get to use your arms and your legs, and you have more options, and you can grapple, and when you get rid of all those ob- or there's those elements except for the hands, Floyd's trained his whole life to use his hands. McGregor's just trained in the last couple of months. So this really isn't going to be a close fight. I'm not one for predictions, but this is not probably not going to go to a decision unless Floyd wants to draw out the attention for whatever reason or for money purposes. But now on to maybe something that could be different. I think that well, they had the press conferences, those four conference, those press tour, the press tour, and the first two were were pretty fun. I mean, they they changed, traded jabs, various insults. It was quite a thing to watch. But I think overall, especially with the last two press conferences, they actually hurt the fight because normally they say no publicity is bad publicity, but that's usually because all publicity draws in more viewers. But honestly, at this point, when you take these two guys and they've all got the fan bases they do, everyone who wanted to watch the fight was going to watch this press conference, and this press conference wasn't going to create any more buzz. Or it was going to create buzz, but it's not going to draw any more new viewers. It's just going to get the people who are going to already watch it more intrigued for it. So I think when you have the throwing out homophobic slurs and possibly racist things and this doesn't really help generate any good publicity or fight. It's not going to make any more people say, oh, I want to watch that fight now because they were saying these various things. So overall, this is going to be quite a spectacle. I think the press conferences hurt the fight, but they could have helped it. Who knows? I guess we'll see when the final pay-per-view numbers come in, and this finally happens on August 26th. Number two. This is kind of a big topic, but we're going to talk a little bit about the Major League Baseball first half, and I've got a couple of storylines I want to cover from that period. So a couple of teams have dominated their respective leagues so far, the Astros in the AL and the Dodgers in the NL, and this has kind of continued into the start of the second half as well as we've seen. So I think baseball 
really likes these teams because you've got you've got these young homegrown stars that are staying in. Well, they're not small markets, but it's not New York or Boston. Um, especially Houston is not a humongous baseball market, but you've got these young stars on the Astros. You got their core four with Altuve, Springer, Correa, and Bergman or Bregman, sorry. And with the Dodgers, who I don't like, but nonetheless they've had a really good year with uh, Chris Taylor and Corey Seager, and especially the rookie sensation Cody Bellinger, another rookie sensation we'll talk about in a little bit. But I think for the Astros. I really like them because it's it's good to see finally a story of, or a recent story of tanking being successful. Because some of the teams that have been tanking in in the NBA, like the Sixers or the Lakers, they haven't really they've they've created pieces, but they haven't really generated those wins yet. And it's nice to see the Astros. They were horrible for many years, and now they're leading the league or one of the teams at the top of the standings. And that that's good to see from a fan's perspective. Also, with the Dodgers, you got just all-around great baseball being played. And also their pitching. I guess we kind of knew that going in, but it's been interesting to see the emergence of Alex Wood, who I think the Dodgers won each of his first 10 starts or something like that. And then Clayton Kershaw is just Clayton Kershaw, though he's going to be out for six to eight weeks now, unfortunately. But for both of these teams, I think the real test, because they're going to win possibly they're probably going to win 100 games they might even win 110 although they'll have to keep a historic pace to get that but i think it's going to be interesting to see how they do in the postseason because historically the dodgers have not done well in the postseason they always go out in the first second round kershaw can't come it through and even though they've won the division the majority of the last decade they haven't been able to close the deal in the playoffs and the astros haven't as many chances but they haven't uh, made it really deep into the playoffs either. So I'm looking forward to seeing them go at it in the playoffs and see if they can keep up this pace. And also, second from the Major League Baseball first half, I think we should talk a little bit about Aaron Judge all rise. What I like about Aaron Judge is Giancarlo Stanton, or Mike Stanton or Giancarlo Stanton, he's been the undisputed power king of baseball for what's it been like five years now every time he comes to play he's the only guy that when he hits the ball he consistently makes you go like whoa how did he just do that or he hits those towering shots in his park and they just go off the window and we saw at the home run derby and it's nice to see a guy that can kind of challenge his power because especially at the home run derby judge came and showed out hit some huge dingers like 515 513 feet and he's another guy who he hits the ball and he makes you go whoa so that's nice to see when you got a guy that can hit the ball that hard and he's definitely going to draw some fans and and also you know I've seen this online a little bit but could he be the face of baseball in the future I mean obviously it's too early he's two-thirds of the way through his rookie campaign but it's worth talking about because baseball they have star power, but they don't have that face. Like the NBA, it's been LeBron James. For the NFL, you got the quarterbacks like Rodgers and Brady and Breeze. So, and with baseball, you pretty much got Mike Trout, who's 
extremely good, but a couple of factors work against him. He's in a West Coast market, so a lot of the East Coast viewers don't see him, particularly some of the networks that tend to be more toward the East Coast because that's when more people are up. He's also not been on a contending team for a while, so and because the, the Angels haven't been a good team for a little while, so you don't get to see him in the playoffs. And also, he's been injured, so if you don't have a guy, if he's not playing, people he can't be the face. No one sees him. But with Judge, I think you got a really good guy because, first of all, there's that saying that chicks dig the long ball. Everyone loves the long ball. So if you hit, he's hit so many home runs, like ten home runs in April, ten home runs in June. See if he can keep up the, up the pace going forward. But he's hitting home runs. That's going to make him a fan favorite. Plus, he's in that big market in New York, so he automatically gets a ton of attention. He's wearing number 99. He's already got a fan-friendly identity that people can gravitate toward, which being the judge, of course. And he's already got the fan club with the little wigs and the and the uniforms and all rise. And he's going to be a lot of fun to follow. And also, he's young, so he's he's still got room to improve. He's still got room to develop all of his tools and to keep moving forward as a baseball player and also just get used to being in baseball and the environment of being in baseball. And that's where I think he's got a little charisma too. That'll help him out. All right, topic number three, and this is a big one. NBA free agency and all these big trades that went down. So we're going to talk about four of them. Now we're going to go in chronological order. So first we got Jimmy Butler to Minnesota for Zach Levine and Chris Dunn and some draft picks on both sides. First I'm going to talk about the Timberwolves because Jimmy Butler joined them and made them better. And this isn't enough to make them a title contender, of course, because you got the Warriors, the juggernaut in the West. But this is the team of the future for sure. Once the Warriors inevitably have to break apart in a few years, or they get and they get old as they get older, the Timberwolves are going to be the team that that takes their place because you got Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins who are in their very early twenties. You got Jimmy Butler who's still not in his thirties yet even, and they can have time to mesh and gel. And they're already in a winning going to be in a winning situation because they're going to make the playoffs this year. Even though the West is pretty deep, they've got enough star power to make it to the playoffs. And I really like them going forward. And as for the Bulls, man, they were up 2 nothing against the number one seed Celtics, who would eventually even make it to the Eastern Conference Finals. And then Rajon Rondo gets hurt, they lose four straight, and now they're going into a rebuilding mode. So Rondo to the Pelicans, Bolo to the Timberwolves, and D-Wade is getting old and probably going to leave soon. So now they're just rebuilding with a young core. And I, I like their pieces. I like Zach Levine. I like Dunn. I like Cameron Payne even. But it's going to be a little while before they can actually make a run again to the playoffs or make be a serious threat in the East. So our second trade is Chris Paul to the Houston Rockets in exchange for Patrick Beverly, Lou Williams, Sam Decker, a couple of draft picks, a 2018 first-round pick, or sorry, a couple of bench players, a 2018 first-round pick, and some cash compensations. And this trade makes the Rockets better, although not necessarily on the defensive end. But I still don't think they can compete with the Warriors, in part because their defense is still pretty weak. It can't match up with some of the players on the Warriors or the Cavs or even 
some of the higher teams like the Oklahoma City Thunder now, which we'll talk about later. But especially their depth, the 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 hit that their bench took is going to hurt them in the series with one of those stronger teams. And I I still I still do like them. They're going to be a lot of fun to watch, but those holes still haven't been fixed with the acquiring of Chris Paul. And the Clippers, man, the Clippers are in a weird position because they were stuck in, or they've been stuck in that weird Western Conference purgatory where they're good enough to make the playoffs and be the four or five seed every year, but they're not good enough to make it past the second round and beat these higher up teams. They haven't made any significant moves beyond that core of Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, and DeAndre. They haven't filled the three spot, and they and now JJ Redick's gone to the 76ers. Chris Paul's gone. Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan are still there, but they they don't have they didn't make uh, they didn't get anyone that can lift them over that peak to become an elite team in the Western Conference. So especially now with Chris Paul leaving, they're they're kind of they don't really have anything to do. They kind of just have to leave, wait until Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan leave, and all the teams in the West get worse, and for the order for them to rise up. Our next trade is Paul George to Oklahoma City in exchange for Victor Oladipo and DeMontis Sabonis. So this trade, of course this trade was a steal. I mean, you're getting an all-NBA caliber player in exchange for a decent shooting guard and DeMontis Sabonis. But I don't think either, and I know I'm kind of being a broken record here, but this still won't be enough for a team like the Thunder to win a series against the Warriors or the Cavs because they just don't have enough firepower, which is kind of hard to say with the team with Russell Westbrook and Paul George, but in a series, man, the teams are just going to grind you down, especially with the Stars playing such extended minutes that they do in the playoffs. It's going to be tough. They can do it, but it's going to be tough for them to win a series against the team with with a ton of firepower. And I'm also, what's going to be intriguing is Russell Westbrook, after his breakout campaign with the departure of Kevin Durant, it's going to be interesting to see him tone down because he's not going to be able to put up the triple-double numbers he put up last year with a guy like Paul George here. He's going to have to create more, which I don't think he'll have a problem doing. But And also another thing worth seeing is, is Paul George going to stay in OKC beyond this year? Because there's been talks about him going to the Lakers after this year or something like that, but he could sign another deal with Oklahoma City. So they're going to have to prove to him why he should stay there in a small market like that. And finally, we got Gordon Hayward to Boston. Wow, in free agency. So the Jazz don't get anything in return. And I think actually the Celtics can win the East with this trade. Even though they lost Avery Bradley, even though they lost Kelly Olenek, they got better. The Cavs didn't. The Cavs are appearing to suffer from dysfunction at the moment. Kyrie Irving wants to leave. LeBron doesn't want that to happen. They still can't play defense, although the Celtics are not the best on defense either. And it it doesn't and the Celtics were the one seed last year too, so it's not like they're making a huge jump and the Celtics took a game in Cleveland. So it could happen. I think maybe not this year, but next year, after all the turmoil that's happening in Ohio, the Celtics are in prime position to take control of the East for for a little while now. Especially with the lack of depth in the Eastern Conference with all the stars moving to the West. All right, that was a long one. Topic number four, we got, well, I kind of feel like I have an obligation to talk about him in this catching up episode. 
of the long takes, but it's Lonzo Ball. And I know a lot of people are probably sighing right now. Well, not that many people are listening to this, but the people are probably sighing right now. But I do want to talk about Lonzo first before I talk about you-know-who. I'm looking forward to watching him play in the league because you got a pass first point guard with the Lakers in a showtime market, and he's going to be on the highlight reel every day, and he's still going to continue to make headlines with his shooting form and his abilities. And in the summer league, we kind of saw a hint of that. We already saw the crowds he draws. We see his passing ability. So, yeah, this, like I said, this is going to be a lot of fun. And as far as his father, I think LeVar, beyond, besides some of the comments he's made that have been construed as misogynistic, which some of them are, and some of the influence that they say is bad, I think he's mostly harmless. He's just a dad trying to promote his son and the big baller brand and all of that. And he's generating publicity for an otherwise, he looks like a pretty shy kid. So I don't mind it. And Lonzo's obviously going to have high expectations now, but... I think he seems like a kid who can live up to those and perform on the court. So that is our, I guess, first official episode of The Long Takes. Thank you so much for joining me. We will be back hopefully next week with the latest news and the latest takes in the world of sports. I will see you then.